Hi guys, and welcome to Car Audio Talk. I'm Dean. And I'm Fernando. This is episode five of the podcast. Yes. We're five in. How exciting is that? It's crazy, huh? Yeah. It's been fun. It's been interesting, yes. So for those of you that haven't caught the podcast before, it gives us time to kind of slow down a little bit and answer questions that are more long form. Okay. And yeah. in this case, we have a great question. Yes. And it's about becoming an installer. Yes. How I become an installer or how I become into the industry. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. There's just not being an installer. You know, you don't have to just be an installer to be involved in car audio. You know, a lot of the times becoming a salesman actually is not a bad idea first because that gets you more familiar with the products and will, you know, ease, it'll, it'll let you talk, learn to talk to people. Okay. Like when I first started, one of the first jobs I had was a Saturday salesman. That's why I got the job was because the, the owner wanted somebody to work on Saturday and I didn't want to be a salesman. I wanted to be an installer. I mean, that's what I was doing. I wanted to install. But he was like, listen, you could install Monday through Friday, but Saturday you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And that taught me a lot because I had to learn how to talk to people. I had to learn how to describe features. I had to learn how to explain speakers and how they sound. And that was that was crucial. I mean, without having those experiences, I, I don't think I would have learned – you know, what an owner's manual was, you know, but you started different than that. You started, you, you're, you've obviously been doing this less than I have. And oh, how yeah. did you, how did you get your job? I have my job by, I mean, not working for me. I mean, working. opportunity, that's it. Uh, I was doing another job, you know, and one of my friends called me and say, uh, I have a friend, they need help doing car stereo. Uh, so if you want, and of course, I was needing the money, so I'm like, yeah, definitely, whatever it takes, you know. So I went there and asked for, you know, you need help and say yes. So that's how I started doing the installs. And know? I mean, you you really had nothing more than shade tree install capability. Mm-hmm. I mean, you weren't doing this. I mean, you were as shocked as I supposed to get the job, mm-hmm. you know. But there again, you went to work for a a uh, different caliber installer, we'll call it. I was, uh, you, I, I don't even call it an installer, honestly. Right now, it's, it's just like burn. a DIO. I don't know, man. I was like, I didn't know nothing different than how I I was looking the, the job he, he was doing. And for me, it's like, okay, it's fine. Right. You know, there was nothing wrong with it. Until I met you. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I had and that on everything you. is like, oh, this is this is bad, man. This is horrible. Why did you guys do that? Yeah, why, no. why are you treating the customer's yeah, car that man. way? And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. And then I start seeing what do you guys do and everything. And I'm like, wow, man. So The whole other world out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, the fact that you're even asking that I want to be a car steer installer, that puts you in a whole other category because mm-hmm. most people don't want to work for a living. I mean, physical labor is is tough. I mean, you know, having to actually work with your hands and be creative and have intelligence and because the the simple days of wiring up, you know, 12 wires and put building a dash kit and slapping it into a car, those are gone. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, the average radio install time now has quadrupled because you have Bluetooth mics, you have GPS antennas, you have factory USBs and aux jacks that you're retaining and and, uh, locations for Bluetooth mics that are really bizarre so that you Mm -hmm. can put them back into the factory locations. Or, you know, you have these smart harnesses now that you you really have to pay attention to to see if they're actually, A, going to work in the car, B, if I put it in this car, how are they going to work? Correct. And then, like, steering wheel controls. And and that's not to say that they're they're all hard. Some of them are easy. Um, But, you know, going that extra mile, like, yeah, you can use the factory default steering wheel control settings, but why when mm-hmm. you can program them any way you want i mean you can make they don't have push to talk you can add push to talk some right. of the uh and some of the dodges they don't have steering wheel controls you can add volume up and down to the steering wheel mm-hmm. controls so you can actually add in value and without selling it first i feel that you know you might lose some of that like you know talking to the customer and getting them to buy something is an integral part of i feel being an installer because you have to be able to go out there, you know, because the, the, not every owner of every store or every salesman has installation experience. Starting out as a salesman, you get experience as well. You know, like if you know you want to be an installer, always keep that in the back of your mind. But if they say, hey, look, I need someone that will clean the floors, help customers, yeah. take out trash, take that job. Take that job. You know, it'll lead to your next job, which is being an installer. You know, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of um, Transformers when Shia LaBeouf was trying to get that job. He's, dude, I've saved the world. Man. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, John Nobody Malkovich, cares. John Malkovich, like, look, the job you want the job after the job after the job. Mm-hmm. This is the job that you get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This job is the job that will lead you to that job. So, don't be afraid to take that job that might not be the one you want right up front. I mean, when I took my job, I wanted to be an installer. At the time, I was I was enamored with car audio. I wanted to do it. Uh, college was getting real boring. I just I was losing interest in what I'd been doing because I'd been doing it so long. And, and I, I was like, it's a hobby of mine. I can make money doing it. I want to do it. And that brings us to the second point. If you're going to do this for a living and it's a hobby of yours, be prepared to lose it as your hobby. Mm-hmm. Because when you're doing this five to six days a week, nine hours a day... It's no longer going to be a hobby. It becomes very taxing for it to be the same hobby. Now, don't get me wrong. I have 28 years down the road. So, you know, it was a hobby and I was still doing, I mean, I didn't take a paycheck for the first six months because I just wanted to buy more car audio stuff. To me, I'd hit the holy grail. I was like, Jesus, I'm going to have the baddest system ever. (laughs) I'm getting dealer cost and I'm getting paid. Oh, yes. But there again, I was also working two jobs. And that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to have two jobs. So, like, if car audio is what you want to do, but obviously it might not pay the bills because the only thing the owner wants to do is let you work three or four hours a day and, you know, do grunt work, take that job and then go get another job. Work part-time at any place you can find part-time work at. I mean, why not, right? I started just working Fridays, I mean, Saturdays and Sundays. Right. Saturdays and Sundays, that's and you, it. And you worked, you had a second job. You worked at yeah. Carabas. Yeah, I work in a restaurant at Carabas, so yeah. You know, and there again, so I had two jobs and was going to college. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, I, I didn't, I just, I knew I wanted to do car audio and I was willing to do whatever it took to 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 get that job Mm -hmm. so i took the job before the job before the job correct yeah 
Um, but let's fast forward to 2018. 2018, obviously, things are getting a lot more complicated in the car audio world. Things aren't as easy as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things are moving. I mean, at the end of the day, you say, hey, the wheel is still round. The wheel is still round, but it has new tread. Oh, yeah. You have uh, smart harnesses now that, that are really, you have to be smart to use a lot of these harnesses. Um, you know, the black box installation is is now but you still have to understand the principles of what this black box is trying to do in order to be a good installer otherwise you're gonna spend all day on tech support Mm -hmm. that sucks so reading those owner's manuals is key now there is a organization for car audio to get a a, starter to do what to get started to get started yeah but um to get certified yeah and that is mecp MECP is a program that they have three classifications. They mm-hmm. have basic, they have advanced, and they have master. Yeah. And they have giant phone books that you can buy, and then you can go and take the courses. I mean, you can read the book and then go take the test, and they will send you a piece of paper that says you're okay. MECP certified. Now, if you were to walk into an employer and say, hey, listen, I really want a job. I have no experience, but I have this cool piece of paper that says I'm MECP certified. That's going to tell that guy a couple things. One is going to tell him that, oh, my gosh, this guy has absolutely no experience whatsoever, but he went and took a test. I got three guys in the back that have some experience have never bothered. They don't even know what MECP is. Correct. So that's going to put you one leg up. Now, don't think you're going to walk in there, you know, like, you know, hey, man, my poop doesn't stink. I am awesome. No. You're still going to be cleaning toilets and taking out trash, but at least now you can look at the situation a little bit differently and feel confident that your goal is more is closer to being met than it was before. Mm-hmm. You know, and that you the owner is looking at you now to see where is this guy, where is this kid going to take me? Meaning, is he the real deal? Mm-hmm. And that's where initiative comes in. Okay, so the other thing is, like, take pictures of your work, whatever you do. Yes. You know, make sure you do uh, not an amazing work because, let me, everybody well, starts, like... Do the best like, job that you can. Yeah, exactly. Do the best job that you can um, and show to the to the shop, to the owner, hey, this is what I do and, and you know, I have a certification. Yeah. Maybe you get the job quick. And the other thing, too, to keep in mind is if you just want to be a box builder or a custom fabricator, more than likely you're going to have a harder time because most shops have their guy. Like they have their guy that's their fabricator. They have their guy that's their box builder. What they're looking for is somebody that can actually put the stuff in. Mm-hmm. I knew when I was hiring, every time I hired, it was like I, guys would show up and be like, dude, look at this badass box I built. And I'd be like, I don't need a box builder. I need an installer. I need somebody that can put a radio in a dash, put an alarm in a car, put speakers in a door, do some dynamat, wire up an amplifier, put in a fuse holder, integration, you know, and, and that's what I'm looking for. And if all you're going to walk in and do is say, hey, man, check it out. I know how to put six sizes of wood together and slap some Bondo on it and make this cool vinyl flush panel, that might be what that shop was looking for. But I can tell you right now, most of them aren't looking for that. They're looking for somebody that, that knows the pointy end of a screwdriver, knows how to use a soldering gun, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, don't feel like you have to walk into a stereo shop and be like, hey, man, check out this cool box I built. No, no. Go, hey, man, check out this wiring harness that I put my radio in. Look how much, look how I soldered all my connections. I put shrink wrap over it. You know, I use Tessa tape. And, you know... And even if you don't have those things available to you, I put zip ties on it, you know, 
I did a clean job, you know, and, and here's my friend's car that I did where I did the same thing. Consistency is nice. And then, you know, the owner's going to look at that and be like, all right, well, this guy kind of understands how to put in a radio. Wonder what else he can do, you know, and then you get your foot in the door and you get the ball rolling. And I will tell you this, there's a shortage of installers. Mm-hmm. Like there's not enough. There, there's plenty of places in the United States and probably all around the world where they need installers. And you coming into the business with a desire to learn will get you a job. There's no question about it. Um, but then again, you have to remember the first. This is it'll be the job before the job before the job. Right. So don't think that you're going to come in and be making a killing. They're going to give you the paycheck. Yeah. Right yeah. There. No. no, they're not. They're you're make, you're going to ha- you're going to have to work for it. And, and with that being said, you're never going to get rich being an installer. I'll tell you that right. Tell you that right now. It's going to be really here. I don't know. What are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I take that back. You, you can make a good living as an installer. Oh, yeah. You can make a great living as an installer. It's just a matter of where you work and your level and your commitment. How do you go? Yeah. Yeah. So, but from the get-go, you're not. Like, you know, those first couple years are going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be a labor of love for sure yeah. because a lot of guys don't want to pay, you know, pay you until they, you start putting out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to perform. So, you know, don't be afraid to get that second nighttime job, you know, doing stock work at, at Walmart, you yeah. know, to, to help pay the bills. You know, and if you're still living at home, you're fresh out of high school, dude, yeah, rock it, man. Work your way up, you know. And, you know, if the first shop isn't working out for you, don't be afraid to leave, you know, because don't think that where you're at is it. I mean, we used to call it the installer shuffle. Every, you know, three or four years, all the installers would quit and move to a new place. And I'd be like, all right, you used to work here. And they'd be like, yeah. And my guy had left, and he'd go work there. They'd, they'd quit because that guy wouldn't work there. And so, like, each stereo, they just kind of worked their way through the stereo shop. And you'd have no choice but to hire them because you needed a body. Mm-hmm. You needed sure. somebody that could work. And so, right, you needed a new you know, pair of hands. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, it was so nice to break the cycle. It was like, God, I don't want to hire a guy that knows everything. I want to just hire somebody I well, can train. That, that's what you told me when I started. Listen, I don't know. I, I don't care what you know. I don't care what you right. do. If you do what I want you to do, we'll be fine. We're going to get along great. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, but yeah, I mean, and that's that's also too, you know, when I when I read the forums about guys asking for, for installers yeah, yeah. or handymen or helpers yeah. or something, you know, a lot of them say the same thing. It's like, you know, these I hired these guys that don't know anything because I want to train them to do it the way I want it done. Mm-hmm. So if you come in with a ton of baggage, you know, they might not want you. So, I mean, as a young installer with, you know, walking in with that piece of paper that says, hey, I'm ready to learn. I did this on my own. Hire me, please. Give me a job. I'll do anything. You, yeah. sh- you shouldn't have a problem finding someplace. Correct. Yeah. All right. What's the next question we got there, buddy? So the next question is, um, I so, have a technical support. This is more uh, of a product question, not necessarily yeah, technical support. Kind of. Yes. Uh, I have a kicker box. That's a com- R. Okay. From Kicker. And I want to run a Kenwood. Kicker box that's from Kicker? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's shocking, right? Yeah. Okay. So I want to run a Kenwood 9106D. Is that too much 
Is that a Kenwood? That's Nin- a Kenwood. 90, 9106. It's like a old. Yeah. Yeah, like an old, but not that old. Okay. Um. Uh, is that too much amp for those kickers? If you're not, can you recommend me something from kicker? I just want to maximize performance of those subwoofers. Oh, yeah, okay. So that is an old one there. So Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's only 500 watts. Yes. So for me, I was thinking the 1200. Yeah, the kicker, uh, like comp, or the, uh, what is it, the DX, the C- CX? Yeah. Well, they make a DX1000, and they make a CS1200. 1200. Um, and that would be better because yeah. at 500 watts on a comp R box, you're going to get the minimum amount of sound out of that box. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be really meh. Mm-hmm. Um, those will handle much more power than that. And we've put 500 watts on those and mm-hmm. been like, why are we doing this? So if you want to get the maximum power out of those woofers, check out those you know kicker amplifiers, the 1201 or the 1001. Mm-hmm. And both of those will just make those things sound amazing. Now, sure. what do you think adding a cap- capacitor. capacitor? Capacitor. I've said it before. I'm not a big fan of capacitors anymore. I mean, what the capacitor has turned into from what it was back in the day, mm-hmm. I just call it a spray paint can with a voltmeter. Um, there's plenty of, of engineers on YouTube that have put up videos showing how much a capacitor can hurt a system when it comes to low battery voltage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the neat thing is to have a voltmeter. Just buy a voltmeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cap really isn't going to help. You know, better power wire, I'd buy better power wire. And he said he's going to do the Stinger uh, nicer. Uh, 6,000. Yeah, series. Yeah. So I think you're going down the right track there with the better power wire. And forget the capacitor. Yep. Um, All right. So we have another question. This is actually, it's two this questions. Is, this is a technical question. Yeah, two questions. Different guys. Same question. Same question. Same problem. Uh, ABH 1300 NEX. Now, so, even though this is a 1300 NEX, it really doesn't matter the radio for this question. Correct. Uh, so I install a backup camera. The backup camera works fine. However, when I select the drop, the drop um, menu drop. Uh, on the radio, the screen go black. So, we've talked about this to the point to where, I mean, one of the most, okay, one of the biggest topics we have is backup cameras. We talk about them in every show we do a backup camera. We have several independent shows that just talk about backup cameras. I think the first show that we did on this was about backup cameras. Mm -hmm. The thing you have to keep in mind about installing a backup camera is there's, there's no magic about it whatsoever. However, where everyone always gets screwed up is the owner's manual for the backup camera is going to tell you to hook the backup camera up to the reverse lights. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great if all you want the camera to do is turn on when you're in reverse. Well, this guy doesn't want to do that. He wants to select from the drop-down menu the backup camera and view it when he's moving forward. Okay. Well, if that's the case, you can't power the camera off of the reverse lights because the reverse lights are only on when you're in reverse. So there's three wires that a camera needs with the exception of the RCA. It needs a power, accessory, needs a ground, and it needs a reverse trigger into the radio. But the camera itself needs the two wires, the accessory and the ground. So if you're getting your accessory power off of the reverse lights, 
then it is only going to work when you put it in reverse and not when you select it from the radio because it's essentially dead at that point. It's not getting power. So you have to hook that reverse light wire up to, or I'm sorry, you have to hook that accessory for your backup camera up to the accessory in the radio or behind the radio or somewhere in the car. So it has to have power when the key is on. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing we get a lot of blowback on is people say, oh, you know, keeping that camera on all the time is bad for the camera. And it's not anymore. I mean, yeah, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, it might have been because those were all 12-volt cameras. Most cameras nowadays aren't 12-volt cameras, meaning you power them with 12 volts, but there's usually some form of a drop-down converter built into the camera that the camera is either getting powered off of 3.3 volts or 6 volts. A lot of factory cameras use 6 volts, and a lot of factory cameras stay on all the time, meaning they're on all the time. If you, if you pull it out, you put a camera tester on there, it's on as soon as you turn on the key. Most of the factory cameras that we do... They're on all the time. The only exception to that is usually like uh, GM. GM only comes on when it's in reverse, mm -hmm. which stinks. Uh, you can rewire the camera if you want. But um, that is why that function is not working. You have to power the camera off an accessory. And don't be worried about keeping it on all the time. I had our favorite backup camera that we did the video, you know, favorite backup camera mm -hmm. in, in uh, Haley's truck, which was my wife's truck before that. And it was in there for six years on every time. The car was on, and it's the camera's still sitting in my car. We sold the car. I still have the camera. Uh, it still works. Yeah. So don't don't worry about it. Now, if you're buying a little $19 camera, yeah, you might want to worry about it. There you go. Yeah. But, okay. Oh, this is related to backup camera also. Oh, so, my gosh, no. I know, right? Uh, backup camera. So say, um, do you know if you owe the backup camera for Toyota? They are 6 volt to or 12 volts. I have a connector, but I want to make sure if you, I need a converter 12 to 6 volt. Yes, Thank all you. Toyota backup cameras are going to be 6 volt. Um, there's a couple different ways you can do that. Uh, we have on the DNF tool drawer, we have a little 6 volt to 12 volt converter. But since that has come out, uh, PAC has come out with the Volt 3.9. Now, what the Volt 3.9 is, and we've we've talked about this and showed it on the show. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with that about it, if you aren't familiar with it, punk twister, uh, <laughs> head over to pack-audio.com and in the search bar type in Volt V-O-L-T 3.9, and what you're going to find is this cool new product that they came out with. I think we even did a special on this. I'm not sure. Um, it's 3.3 volts. It's 5 volts, it's 6 volts, or it's 9 volts. There's a little switch on it, and you just flick one of the switches. Mm -hmm. So for a Toyota, you'd switch it to 6 volts, and then it would give you the 6 volts to power the camera. Okay. And as we said, 3.3 volts, because some of the cameras are 3.3 volts. That's why they added that in there, because we were even like, why would you need this? But then we were doing some research on some of the backup cameras, and if you were to cut off the power supply section, it's a 3.3-volt output. So they were like, well, if somebody you know has a camera that's messed up, you know, there was no extra work for us to do that. And then the 5-volt output is for the Ford. Um, if you have a uh, Ford that has a factory subwoofer in the back, some of the older Fords, that you get a turn-on pop. You get a pop every time you turn on the subwoofer. Well, that's because the amplifier needs to see 5 volts, not 12 volts. And when you feed it with 12 volts, it overloads the input and you get that pop sound. So you can switch it to 5 volts and fix that. And then, of course, 9 volts is it's 9 volts. You can do a lot of things with 9 volts. So 
yeah, if you pick up a pack, pick up that piece, the Volt 3.9, hook that up to your Toyota, you'll be all set and ready to go. Now, some of the Toyota harnesses, like if you get the Pack Audio RP2. RP4.2, it actually has a 6-volt output built into the harness. So there's a pin that you plug in and will give you your 6-volt output. If you go with iData, iData already takes care of that in their harness. So their harness comes with the backup camera harness built into it. So you just plug it in and it works as well. Cool. What you got? Uh, let me see. We have... I know. The list is long. I know. I have... Hey, have you ever had an amp and sub in 2017 Chevy Malibu? If you so, what pack do you use? So... Okay, so it's a 2017 Chevy Malibu, and mm -hmm. you want to add an amp to it. Now, mm -hmm. the Malibu in any one of the new Chevy cars is going to be funny because the first, you have to do some pre-checking on them to find out because some of them have premium sound, some of them have Bose, and some of them have a new nightmare called ANC. Yeah. ANC stands for Automatic Noise Canceling, and the Malibu is capable of having that. So what you want to do first is check to see what system your car has. You just have the basic system, meaning you just have a radio. You have four to six speakers. There's no subwoofer. There's no anything. For that, you can just use an LP7-2 or an LC2i. Tap into one of the speakers, preferably one of the rear speakers and not one of the front speakers because the front speakers are going to have your door and light chime and all that stuff go through it. And you definitely don't want your subwoofers going ding, ding, ding. So you're going to tap into one of the rear speakers in that. And that's it. All you have to do is hook one of those up. Both of those products will create a phantom remote turn-on, and you're good to go. Now, if you have one of the more advanced systems to where you have the ANC microphones, those are going to be located in, there's three of them in the car. One is located above the passenger, one is located above the driver by the, by the old crap bars, and one is located in the center of the headliner in the rear of the car. Now, Depending on what system you have and amplifier-wise, sometimes you can disconnect them at the amplifier, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're going to have to drop the headliner down and disconnect them at the microphones. Either way works. So if you can't figure out how to get it at the amplifier, you can just you know pull the headliner down and unplug all three of them. You just want to make sure you don't unplug the Bluetooth mic, which is directly above the driver. And you do have to disconnect them because what happens is with the ANC mics is you're going to get, uh, it's going to try to cancel the subwoofer sound and then you're going to create this loop of doom and destruction and it's really obnoxious and will cause all kinds of havoc. And then of course the third system is if you have a Bose system. And right now NavTV makes the only Bose most interface. And what that does is that is an Amp Pro-like product that will plug into that most bus system and give you preamp level output. It's going to be the most expensive way to do it, but I can tell you right now that PAC will have their Amp Pro for the most systems in April, which will be a lot more reasonable. But those are really the three things. Now, if you have the system that's amplified and you disconnected your ANC, you can simply use either the LP7-2 or the LC2i. At that point, it's going to hook up just like a normal system, tap into whatever speaker is the subwoofer, 
because it's amplified, chances are good there's a subwoofer somewhere, either in the front doors or the rear deck. You want to make sure you tap that subwoofer. That's key. If you don't tap the subwoofer, um, you're not going to get any bass out of it. Now, if you are tapping the subwoofer, like going to a factory subwoofer, I would you know, maybe push more towards the LC2i because uh, there's a lot of voltage coming out of that amplifier. You know, you might want to go a little bit better, but that's up to you. All right. So it's any difference like an audio performance between the high-res audio and the FLAC format. Download it into the USB tone drive versus the Tandal Hi-Fi. So FLAC is a new compression that has come out that is actually better than CD sound quality. So for years and years and years, everyone has always told us that the CD sound quality is the best. Um, well, that apparently isn't true. We can now download songs that are high res, which are going to have more information and a, a, a deeper bit depth than CDs had. If you have a stereo that is capable of reproducing that information, then it's golden. What we're running in, and what we're seeing now is that a lot of radios will lead, read FLAC. Like you can get into the new entry-level Pioneer radio and it'll read a FLAC file. That doesn't mean it's going to sound any better. It just means it can decode that information, just like uh, it can decode WAV or it can decode MP3 or WMA or AAC. That doesn't mean it can do anything with it. It just means it can read it. If you get a true high-res system, you know, from front to back, yes, you will hear a difference. It's, it's a big deal. But just out of, you know, what is better, the thumb drive or the title app, it, just, it really just depends on the source that you're listening to it on. Um, you could have the best source. You could have the best content feeding into a crappy source. So you really want to do the research on the source more so than on the content and how you're getting it into it. All right, last question. What okay, last question. Uh, he said, I asked about the true ignition on the G35. Okay. Um, prefer in next to the battery. Well, finding an ignition next to the battery might be a little difficult, but um, let's see what we got here. He say he's like, he don't, I don't need to know now. So we have a North American car. What year is it? It's a 2006. A 2006, and it is an Infiniti? Mm, it's Infiniti G35. Also, should I use a fuse? Yes. Should also use always use a fuse. Whether there's a fuse there or not, always use a fuse. All right, so you have ignition, true ignition. All right, so this really brings up a good point. There's two different things happening at the key. There's true ignition and there's accessory. And depending on what you're trying to do is when you're going to need one or the other. In this case, he's trying to turn on a relay for a second battery. And he wants true ignition so that when he's cranking the car, both batteries are feeding into the car. Uh -huh. Accessory will drop off when the car is starting. So that's actually what you'd want your radio hooked up to because you don't want your radio on through crank. You only want your radio on through run and when it's in, like, key on mode. Um, so they're two totally different things. However, you'll often hear people refer to them as both. Hey, I need an ignition wire when you actually need an accessory wire because you don't want it on through start. Ignition is on through start because ignition is what's feeding the starter usually. 
Um, in this case, for that particular car, it is going to be a black red wire, and it's going to be at the ignition switch, which is a white six pin plug. It's going to be pin three. Now, in order, and it's a fairly decent size because it's an older vehicle, so it's going to be, it's not going to be a really thin wire. It's going to be a, a good size, I want to say like 16 gauge. Um, but that's where you're going to grab it. You're going to have to drop the lower portion of the dash to get to it. But if you want true ignition, that's where you're going to have to get it. Every place else you're going to find is going to be an accessory. Now, that's not saying that that's the only place to find ignition, but that is going to be the most convenient place to get it is at the actual key. Because after that, a lot of time ignition just turns into accessory throughout the car. All right, you good? Yep. All right. Well, thank you as always, guys, for listening to the show. This has been Car Audio Talk with Dina Fernando, the podcast version. If you'd like to ask us live questions, we do a Monday Night Live on Facebook, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. We do a YouTube Live between 6 and 6.30 Saturdays, 6 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Right, yeah. Um, We have a Patreon page. You can find us at 5 Star Car Audio. (coughs) Sorry about that. We also have DNF Tool Drawer, where you yep. can find all the tools that we use in our videos. And then we have, if you want t-shirts, you know, we have them on T-String slash door slash five star. Yep. Good? Yep. All right, Fernando, bring us home. All right. So thank you for watching. Thank, thank you for, for watching. watching. Thank you for listening. You know, I always get... Yeah, I know. I, I, yes. I knew you would do that. That's why I was, like, I I was know. checking you. Oh, thank you for listening. And um, see you guys next week. Yeah. You're going to see him next week through the microphone? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys later as always. You have a great night, and we'll see you later next time. Bye.